Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? The following is a breaking hot take from the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for a special presentation episode of the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. I am Ian J. Malone flying solo for this one, mostly because, well, it was just kind of an impromptu thing I thought I would throw out for you guys. Uh, The last time we did one of these kind of weekend release movie review types of deals, it was with Joker. And a lot of folks really enjoyed that. So we obviously talked a lot about Spider-Man No Way Home on this show and and kind of the anticipation leading up to that as really a major Marvel event. And um, so anyway, I just I thought it would be fun to jump on here real quick and kind of give you my thoughts on it. Having just seen it yesterday in the theater here in Panama City. Uh, Before I do that, I want to say a quick thanks to our sponsors on this program. That would, of course, start with Chris Kennedy Publishing. Doesn't matter what you're into, folks. If it's military science fiction, space opera, urban fantasy, go check it out. They've got it all there in spades at chriskennedypublishing.com. I also want to say a special shout-out to Casey Azell and Marisa Wolf, authors of the brand-new Four Horsemen Universe novel, Ally. This is, of course, the penultimate book in the Guild Wars series. A lot of expectation on this one, folks, and... um, Just based off of what I'm seeing in the early reviews, man, is it delivering. And I mean delivering big time. Uh, I'll drop a link to that in the show notes for anybody who wants to go grab that, check it out. Again, that is this week's new release, Ally, from Casey Azell and Marisa Wolf, both great folks. Also want to say a shout out to our presenting sponsor for the Podmail segment, one of our new sponsors. And that would, of course, be the International Association of Science Fiction and Fantasy Authors. Doesn't matter if you're an author or a reader, they have got tons of stuff for you over there from book giveaways ways to author groups that uh, you know we authors can go interact with each other and get to know peers and colleagues and that sort of thing but uh, just lots of great resources over there uh, and go check that out at iasfa.org again that's iasfa.org the international association of science fiction and fantasy authors so we thank you to both of those fine entities for supporting this here little program all right back to what we came here to talk about spider-man no way home a lot of expectation for this one. This is the the capper to the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, a lot of expectation because everybody knew you're bringing in elements from the other Spider-Man franchises, i.e. Doc Ock, Green Goblin. Uh, you know, the question was going to be who else is going to show up out of the other Spider-Man trilogies or other Spider-Man series or any of the other Spider-Men going to show up. And we're going to get to that. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, kind of a non-spoilery bird's eye view of this, and then I'll dive into the spoilers, which is really the meat and taters of why we're all here, right? So right off the bat, this is not a bad film. Uh, It's a fun film. My 15-year-old kid thoroughly enjoyed it. He was on the edge of his seat the entire time. Uh, You know, my wife and I kind of, eh, there were times when we checked our watch. Um, you know, and that's, that's really kind of the long and the short of it. You know, this was, uh, Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man No Way Home is very much a cookie cutter Marvel film. I said it on Twitter and so I'll lead with that. It hits all of the beats. It hits all the notes that you expect out of a Marvel film. And to be frankly honest, there's just not any surprises with this film. Um, it's fun. It's a blast. It's the visual spectacle that you have come to know from a Marvel film, it's just not going to shock you in any way. I mean, you, you've seen what the film is in the trailer. And in Marvel's defense, there was really no way around that. I mean, you had to tell people what the movie is about. We're going to bring in old villains, and, and that's going to be that. Multiverse, we're going to introduce the concept of that, and, and away we go. So, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to read between the lines there. Like, we kind of know what this story is going to be just from the trailers. I was hoping that maybe Marvel would pull out a few stops and a few surprises along the way. Uh, they re- they really didn't. By the time I got to the end of it, I was I was actually kind of 
kind of ready for it to be done. Um, going to be interesting to see where they take this story from there. But, um, you know, honestly, the, the Spider-Man films were kind of the last ones that I would see in the theater. And I think moving forward, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly fine to catch these on streaming as well. Um, it's just kind of where we're at. A Marvel movie is a Marvel movie is a Marvel movie. And we've, we've seen the formula now for 10 years. I just don't know that there's anything new under the sun with these. Are they still a blast to take your kids to? Yes, they are. Again, evidenced by the response that I got from my 15-year-old. He loved it. And uh, I'm sure there will be Spider-Man aplenty stuff under the Christmas tree this year. So, uh, all right. On a A to, a to F, I'm going to give it a solid B, B- minus for a film. That, that's the, the best thing I can do for it. So now we're going to get into what I liked about the film and what I didn't like about the film, and this is going to get into some spoilers. So if you're not a fan of that, if you haven't seen it, you don't want to be spoiled, now's the time to turn back. I'll give you a second to turn back while I take a swig of this delicious black coffee that's sitting in front of me at 7 a.m. this morning. Mm. Ugh, free plug to Black Rifle. Man, I love those people. Absolutely fabulous stuff. Mm. All right, so getting into some spoilers here. What I liked about Spider-Man 3 uh, starts with Tom Holland. This kid is, for my money, he's the best Spider-Man that they have ever cast. I think Marvel Marvel has good cast. Marvel has good castings, they have bad castings, and then they have elite castings. Um, good castings, I would say that's uh, probably Chris Hemsworth for Thor. Uh, does a, a very serviceable, solid job as Thor. I think there's probably any number of people you could have cast in that role and they would have done just fine. Uh, that's not a knock against Chris Hemsworth. I think he's a good cast. I think he does a good job. But, um, I mean, there's not anything terribly special about him. He's a big dude wielding a hammer. That's it. Bad casting is Brie Larson. I, I didn't buy her at all in Captain Marvel. That oh, was a horrible, horrible job. Uh, elite castings. Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. And by elite castings, I mean you, you really can't imagine anybody else ever playing that role again. Uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is another one. And good luck to whoever has to fill those shoes because you got your work cut out for you. I put Tom Holland in that category. This kid is not only a fabulous Spider-Man, but he's a fabulous Peter Parker. He's got a ton of heart. His delivery is so what you would expect out of a 17-year-old kid playing superhero. Even through everything that he's been through, from the in-game saga and Thanos and all of that, he still retains that kind of, this character still retains that sense of innocence about him that really makes him stand, you know, stand apart from <clears throat> the Captain Americas and, and whatnot of the worlds. And, and uh, man, Tom Holland just shines so well with that. And he does that in spades in this film. He's got to do a bit of growing up because of the story that's put in front of him, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. But, um, but Tom Holland, as always, is, is one of the, the, the diamonds of a Spider-Man film under the Marvel Cinematic Universe banner. Uh, other things I really liked about this, the villain cast. You know, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about the retreads of Doc Ock and the Green Goblin and Lizard and all those guys, but I thought they pulled it off, um, especially in the case of Willem Dafoe. I feel like that the Sam Raimi films, as much as we loved them and as, as great as they were, this never campy. They were they were a camp fest. That's what they were meant to be. It's why we love them. Willem Dafoe really got to sink his chops into what it means to be a villainous Green Goblin that you really want to hate in this film. Um, Willem Dafoe, as we all know, is a fantastic uh, fantastic actor. Been in a ton of stuff, and I really applaud the screenwriters for giving him some stuff in this film that he could really embrace the bad guy. 
and uh, and he did it, man. And it, that was cool. Probably one of the highlights of the film was Willem Dafoe. Uh, seeing Alfred Molina back as Doc Ock was fantastic. Uh, everybody else, um, Jamie Foxx as Electro, uh, the dude that played Lowell and Wings, I forget his name, but he played Sandman. Uh, and then the the British guy who plays Dr. Connors slash the lizard, like that guy that's been in every sci-fi movie ever. Uh, I don't remember his name either, but that's okay. Uh, they were all mostly forgettable. Uh, they show up because they have to, but they don't really have a, a huge role in this. Um, but yeah, Defoe and Molina, great jobs as Doc Ock. Green Goblin really brought a lot to the story. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, always great to see him as Doctor Strange. Uh, he's another one that I would probably place in that... Um, that elite category of Marvel castings. I think he's been great as Stephen Strange. And so always a pleasure to see him on screen. And then finally, Marissa Tomei, who is hands down my favorite Aunt May ever. Um, she gets a bit more screen time in this one, and I think the film is better for it. You really get into the heart of who she is as a character, and you see how that has really influenced Peter Parker. And why he is the way that he is. Because a lot of her traits that make her who she is have been passed down to him. And, you know, being able to see that relationship between the two of them, how, you know, one informs the other. I, and I just love Marissa Tomei. I mean, you know, going all the way back to my cousin Vinny, you can't go wrong with Mr. Ture, uh, Marissa Tomei. So anytime you put her in a film, I'm happy. More coffee. All right, so those were the things I really liked about the film. Now we're going to get into what I didn't like about the film. And this is where we're going to hit into some real major spoilery territory. Uh, as noted off the top, there's just really no surprises uh, in this film. Uh, right up into the point, again, spoilers coming, turn back now. Uh, right up into the point where the other Spider-Men show up. So Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, they both show up. I was kind of surprised that, that you didn't get a uh, Miles Morales showing. Um but, you know, I mean, I do, there was a reference to him, by the way, a very passing reference from Jamie Foxx. Um, I, I just said that you, you knew it was coming. Like, there was no, there's no surprise when these guys show up on the screen. Like, you had to know if we're going to introduce the multiverse and we're going to bring in villains from other Spider-Man franchises, well, of course we're going to bring in Spider-Man, the other Spider-Man. Like, we're not going to outnumber Tobey Maguire five to one and not give him some help. And it's not going to be from the freaking Scooby gang, which we're going to get to them here in just a second. Of course you're going to bring in the cavalry, and that being in the form of Tobey Maguire and Alfred, um, Andrew Garfield. Both of those guys did a nice job. Um, I think you definitely, seeing all three of those actors on screen together, you got a good flavor for what made them very different. Um, you know, what you loved about Tobey Maguire, he brings right, it, it, nothing changed. He's still the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Um, and a lot of that has to do with his cadence and the way that he speaks, but it's, it's cool. Um, you know, it, it really, really was. I was never a big Andrew Garfield guy. Uh, I liked him as Spider-Man, but I thought he was a pretty mediocre Peter Parker. Saw that again in this one. Um, you know, so it, I could, I could take or leave him, but they brought him back. That's what you had to do for this story. Uh, the other thing uh, that, that I was not terribly huge on with this was they really dumbed down Dr. Strange. Like this guy is the sorcerer supreme. Although he's not anymore because he blipped for five years and so they gave that title to Wong. So he's just back to being a wizard. But he's still Dr. Freaking Strange. All right. We saw uh, Endgame. We saw, you know, uh, Civil War. Not Civil Wars. Um, geez, the one that can't. Infinity Wars. Um, he's Stephen Strange. He's a brilliantly smart guy. He's a great wizard. They, they kind of make him out to be a little bit of a dumbass who gets outdone by math in this movie. 
And I just, I kind of thought that was a disservice to that character, to be frankly honest with you. Um, I, I get it. He was not meant to be the hero of this story. That's supposed to be Spider-Man and the Scooby gang. But um, it, did you really have to kind of make him an idiot? I mean, and I felt like that's kind of what they did here. And it, it's Stephen Strange. <laughs> Come on. So uh, I was not a big fan of that. Uh, all right, I've referenced them a couple of times now. The Scooby effect, the Scooby-Doo gang. Uh, they even make an, a little joke about it from Doctor Strange in the trailer. It's also in the film. Go Scooby-Doo this crap, blah, 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 blah. Guys, it, it's, it's done. All right? It, it, <laughs> from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel all the way down to... You know, some of the newer properties that have all grown up watching Joss Whedon stuff, like we've seen that play out. And we do it again here with a bunch of teenage, stupid teenage kids running around thinking they can solve everybody's problems. And I know that sounds like curmudgeon old Uncle Ian, you know, having his Walter moment. But again, at the expense of Doctor Strange, are you freaking kidding me here? <laughs> so, uh... I just didn't buy it. I love the Scooby Day, uh, Scooby Gang for comic effect. Uh, I love them for the emotional moments of the story because I do feel like they really humanize Peter Parker a lot and they they keep him grounded. I don't need them front and center trying to solve problems. Like, please step back and let the experts, i.e., the people with superpowers or you know really high tech armor, solve these problems. Like, I don't need you guys in the middle of this trying to trying to act like you can do something because you kind of can't. Um, again, and I love Ned. All right. I love Ned. And I really like the, the young lady that plays MJ. I think she was a, you know, if you were going to go a different route on that, than uh, then like your Kristen, uh, Kristen Dunst, sorry guys, I need more coffee. Kirsten Dunst type of, of role. You know, I think this young woman does a, a really nice job. Again, I, I need her there to, to, to add a flair of, of humanity to Spider-Man. You guys are not day saving material. That's just my two cents on that. And then finally, we come to the uh, the big thing that I really had a problem with with this film. And this is the one where I really kind of look at the writers and say, sorry, guys, just not going to go with you on that. Uh, this one fell completely flat for me, and that was the death of Aunt May. All right, so I don't, one of the greatest things that they did when they reintroduced Spider-Man to the Marvel Cinematic Universe was we did not get, yet again, Uncle Ben getting killed by the freaking cab. All right, we didn't have to watch that yet again. It's like, how many times are we going to see, you know, um, Brad, Batman's parents get killed on screen? All right, Thomas and Martha Wayne. How many times are we going to see them get whacked outside the movie theater? All right, I get it that every time you introduce a new iteration of a franchise, you, you have to revisit that beat because it tells you who the main character is. But as the audience, we have seen that. We've seen it over and over and over again, and it has no weight anymore. It's been beat to death, Okay. One of the things I loved about the first Spider-Man was they didn't do that. Like, they introduced you to this this version of Spider-Man after he's got his powers. He's still figuring it out. And Tony Stark kind of becomes that mentor style of character to him. That was one of the greatest decisions I thought they made when they brought in Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And they kind of, you know, kind of do a little bit of a retake on that in this one. All right? Spider-Man has to learn yet again, because we don't know it already, that with great power comes great responsibility. And that means a dead freaking family member. And in this case, it's Aunt May. And I, you know, Marissa Tomei saves it as much as she can because she's a great actress and you, you really feel it for her. But on the whole, 
this really felt to me a lot like in Star Trek Into Darkness, whenever Kirk died at the hands of, of Khan instead of Spock, and then you have Spock doing Khan, and we're supposed to feel something for that, and we didn't. And I didn't feel it here either. I felt like this was a cheap play on the part of the screenwriters to say, we have to have that pivotal moment that sends this character down a whole new path and da 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 And I, I just didn't buy it. I, I, I didn't feel anything for it. I'm pretty sure I went to the bathroom at that point. I'm like, all right, we're going to have a down moment here. Um, we're going to figure some stuff out and nothing's going to happen. So I'm going to go hit the head. And that was pretty much the way I, I took that. So a movie picks up from there. After that, you know, we get straight on with the getting of all the good superhero goodness. And uh, Doctor Strange finds his way out of math land and, uh, you know, comes back and, and that's that. So anyway, that was what I liked about Spider-Man. It's what I didn't like about Spider-Man No Way Home. So take it for what it's worth. Uh, last thing I'm going to leave you guys with and then then I'll get out of here and go grab a coffee reload. Uh, there are two post credit scenes. If you were extremely lucky, extremely lucky, you will get a theater like I got. And massive shout out to whoever was running the projector or the, the Mac or whatever it is they play movies on nowadays. Because there are two post-credit scenes. There's one in the mid-credits and one at the very, very, very end after all the credits. Whoever was running the theater that I was in at Panama City hit a fast-forward button after the second or after the first, uh, first post-credit scene. <laughs> it jumped straight to the end of the credits. So there was no waiting. They, I got to watch them back-to-back. It was like being at home. I love you, whoever you are, VIP Cinemas in Panama City. You are my favorite person of the weekend, so thank you for that. Uh, all right, so post credit scene number one is Eddie Brock and Venom. Uh, you know, listen, those movies are what they are. Uh, they're they're kind of goofy, creature feature, fright night kind of stuff, but they're fun. Um, you know, the, the the comedy in them is, is really a lot of fun, um, <laughs> and you get a lot of that here. Uh, going to be interesting to see how how that character plays into this new expanding Spider Verse that uh, that Sony's getting ready to roll out. So, um, you know that'll that'll be fun. Uh, and then the second post credit scene is really less of a scene and more of a mini trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I don't know if that is going to be the next Marvel film that comes out, but it, it's going to be in there. I think it comes out next year. Don't hold me to that. But uh, that is going to be, of course, Stephen Strange returning, Benedict Cumberbatch. But it's going to be directed by Sam Raimi. And so for all of us who, who know Sam Raimi's body of work, man, uh, the original Spider-Man trilogy, Dark Man, a couple of films called the Evil Dead trilogy, kind of good stuff. If you're going to go into that kind of horror, but with a twist of, of kind of comedy, dark comedy type of, of thing, I think you make the argument that nobody does that better than Sam Raimi. So, you know, when I say Marvel, I think it's kind of out of bullets in the gun for making, you know, innovative films, that it's all formulaic. Well, if anybody's got a chance to break that, it'd be Sam Raimi. So I'll give that one a shot. But alrighty, guys. Well, that's pretty well all I've got on my notes. Again, you know, I know I've been kind of hard on it. This is not a bad film. It's not a bad film. If you got kids, go see it. Love it. Um, you're going to smile. You're going to laugh. They're going to ooh and ah over all the same special effects that we've seen for 20 years. And, um, you know, and, and for those of us who really fell in love with the Tobey Maguire trilogy in particular, great to see him on screen again. And great to see Willem Dafoe really get a shot to, to give you a Green Goblin that you're always going to remember. And you will. You will remember him after this film. Um, but on the whole, just it's, it's just another Marvel film. There's nothing special about it. There's nothing novel about it. It's going to do everything you think it will do. No more, no less. So as long as you're good with that, then get the big tub of popcorn and the big Mountain Dew like we did. 
and the weird sour patch punch rainbow skittle sticky thingies that my kid got. I don't know. Kids today, man. What are they into? Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, so that's my review of Spider-Man No Way Home here on the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. I uh, hope it helps you make decisions on what you want to do for your screen viewing decisions over the holidays. And, uh, well, I just hope you enjoy it, guys. So thank you, as always, to our sponsors, Chris Kennedy Publishing, International Association of Science Fiction and Fantasy Authors, for supporting this program. Thank you to you, the listeners, for supporting this program in 2021 and, and heading back the last couple of years that we've been doing this. You know, our listener numbers have steadily grown, and that makes us smile. It really, really does. So thank you guys so much. Uh, as always, if you love this podcast, if you're following it on YouTube, like the episode, subscribe to the channel. That helps to bump us up the ratings. If you're listening to it on someplace like an Apple podcast or a Google podcast where to let you leave stars, do that. Give us five stars, maybe, and drop a quickie little review about why you like the show. And again, that helps to bump us up the, the algorithms, as it were, so people who might like to hear us who aren't necessarily looking for us get to find us but that's pretty well the end of this spiel you guys take it easy have a very merry christmas and a happy new year's and we will see you back in 2022 right here on the dudes in hyperspace podcast see ya